Hello and welcome back to Learning from a Layman. Uh, actually, we got to listen to our uh, intro music live for the first time because I decided that we wanted to try that. Uh, and Carl and, found out how bad of a friend I am. <laughs> and unsurprisingly, <laughs> well, actually, it's slightly surprising that Johnny didn't know we had changed our, our intro music. <laughs> and by changed our intro music, we mean we changed our intro music more than two and a half years ago. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it tells you how frequently Johnny listens to our podcast. But Johnny is on our podcast again. Um, Johnny's got uh, all the doctor stuff going on. Right, Johnny? Absolutely. <laughs> and Matt's back with us. And, uh, and Tim will be getting on later, so I will not make a dig at him yet. Um, but tonight we're going to be talking about the basics of dementia. And I thought this would be a very forgettable pod podcast. <laughs> Great yeah. joke. Yeah. Uh, but only for people that don't have a frontal or temporal lobe. Is that most people then? Um, <laughs> all right, we're going to talk about what dementia is, uh, who gets dementia, how, how doctors treat dementia, th those types of things. So I thought this was, um, really interesting. I think all of us have probably in our lives known someone that's had dementia and, um, but very few of us know what exactly that entails. And, uh, so we're going to learn all about it tonight from Dr. Johnny. So let's start with uh, the brain aspects of it. Johnny, a couple of years ago, back when you used to listen to the podcast, um, <laughs> you did uh, a physiology of the brain, uh, basics of the physiology of the brain, or anyway, something like that. So um, I'm guessing that uh, dementia has to do with your neurons. Could you give us a little bit of uh, uh, explanation of what happens in the brain with dementia? Yeah, so basically there's parts of your brain that are in charge of different functions that you have, such as your memory, um, thinking, behavior, um, just to name it, like language, all these different types of things. So depending on the type of um, dementia that you have, it's affecting a certain part of the brain so the brain is no longer good at that function now as you age normally like you can lose um like brain matter and get like old age and you know how some people have a hard time finding words and uh things like that like when you get older um that's it's basically like that except at a more accelerated rate than what would normal but would be considered normal so um, as you lose, let's say you lose that part of your brain that's in charge of memory, well, then you're not going to be able to create memory. So you're going to have memory problems. Let's say you lose that part of your brain that's really good at problem solving. Well, no longer, you can no longer problem solve. Um, the part of your brain that's very good at uh, movement and controlling exactly, like, uh, exactly how you're going to move well, then you get really uncoordinated and can't move like you used to be able to. So there's a lot of, uh, of different types of dementias, but dementia is the umbrella term that is 
basically saying that um, this cognitive decline that someone's having is affecting them in their everyday activities. And that can be with their memory, it can be with behavior, it can be their thinking, um, it, it can be a, a lot of different things. And normally the first people that figure out that something might be happening is the family members. Um, we all have different ways of coping with, um, you know, when we forget something or um, make a fool of ourselves or we don't hear somebody correctly in uh, public, um, but we want to pretend like we do so that we can just kind of get on with the conversation in the day. Um, so as humans, we've developed these ways of kind of getting around, um, you know, these social situations that other people, that your family might pick up on that you're definitely having issues with um, specific things in your life. And that's usually when they, start to uh, start to get help and and try to think about therapies and things like that okay so as far as the brain goes then you're saying so this is just a natural aging process dementia happens to everyone well everybody ages so um, but dementia doesn't happen to everyone dementia is like um it's basically defined as this isn't normal um mm as like an aging, like an aging person, you expect them to develop some issues with memory, thinking, behavior, um, disruption to thought patterns, um, you know, just having like different cognitive de decline over time as your brain ages. But this is at a more accelerated rate. Um, so it's not okay. really, uh, it's not really like a normal thing. Like a normal person shouldn't go through dementia if they, if they live to a certain number of years, they'll have just normal aging. Okay. So does that mean that, uh, so with, with people that have dementia, then, um, something like biologically different is happening in the brain or is it, it's just an accelerated process of, of the same thing? Yeah. So different types of dementias have different types of, um, what we call pathophysiology, basically like the, the reason things are going wrong in the brain and how it, um, how it will cause the brain to, um, to misfire or miscommunicate or forget things or like whatever it may be. Um, but the, the difficulty in dementia, I, I forgot to add this, and the difficulty with dementia is that um, the person that has the dementia doesn't realize that they have it. <laughs> So it becomes really tricky to try to get them help because they, you know, they don't think they're having problem with language, but they definitely are. They don't think they're having problems with memories because they're not remembering that they forgot something. They just don't remember it, you know, so it's, it becomes uh, really difficult. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of different kinds of dementia. Um, like I said, dementia is just kind of the umbrella term. Um, and, uh, and, uh, is there's different types of uh, processes that are incorrect or not working correctly that will cause different types of dementia. Um, maybe we can just name a few because people yeah, probably yeah. know um, some of these. Uh, like the the most prevalent is Alzheimer's disease, mm -hmm. um, and I've heard some people say that you know dementia is more specific than Alzheimer's disease, but it's the other way around. Alzheimer's disease is under the umbrella of dementia. Um, there's a lot of others too, uh, like you can have 
if you have dementia and you have Parkinson's disease, then you have Parkinson's disease dementia. If you have Huntington's disease and you have dementia, then you have Huntington's disease dementia. There's vascular dementia. Um, there's dementia that can be caused by things like HIV. Um, you can get uh, some type of dementia-like problems from uh, alcoholism. Uh, there's something called frontotemporal dementia, which is basically just saying what part of the brain it's affecting. And then there's something called um, Lewy body dementia or, or dementia with Lewy bodies. Um, so there's a lot of different dementias. Um, I, I think the easiest one to explain might be vascular dementia um, as far as like how it actually causes um, problems in the brain. So let me explain that and then maybe we can get into some of the other um, like pathophysiology if you're interested in that. But a lot of it's going to go into very heavy science, which might not be that interesting. So, But um, vascular it. dementia makes a lot of okay. sense. So basically, if you think about like what a heart attack is, it's when part of a vessel um, gets blocked and then part of the heart like dies. Okay. So basically what's happening in vascular dementia is a stroke um, or a mini stroke, something that isn't causing like a major stroke causes obvious like immediate things that you can see and, and hear um, as far as people's language and things like that. But uh, these are like more mini strokes. So you have these vascular problems in the small vessels of the brain and then they'll get clogged. You won't get any um, oxygen to that area of the brain and that brain part of the brain will die. Um, so you're losing parts of the brain that are in charge of different types of things. So let's say you lose that part of your brain that is important for forming memories. Now you're not going to be able to form memories. Like it's not possible for you because you no longer have that part of the brain. Um, let's say you lose uh, part that's really important in um, your personality. Well, then your personality is going to change. Um, and, uh, and that's what a, a lot of these things will do is change uh, a lot of different things all at once. And it's hard to explain unless you know that specific parts of the brain have specific functions and each type of dementia is affecting specific parts of the brain, which is why you get the, um, the symptoms that you do. I think vascular dementia is, like I said, the easiest way to explain it, but basically other types of um, dementia, you're causing injury to the brain or to the neurons um, in the brain and they're not functioning properly. And when they're no longer functioning properly, they kind of like, okay, we'll see ya and kind of die. Uh, so th that's very simplified, but that's basically what's happening. So lack of oxygen to an area, it dying, the neuron dying because of that is just a lot easier to understand than, well, you know, the highway and the cell isn't working properly and it's not communicating well with other cells. And now, you know, it's just, it's more complicated to try to explain the other types of dementia. Although um, vascular dementia is not as common as Alzheimer's disease. Okay, that's what I was about to ask. Okay, so you said Alzheimer's is, is you know, that's when, but when we started getting ready to do this podcast, I asked if we could do it on dementia and Alzheimer's because I thought they were different things. Um, but they're one and the same. 
uh, well, one, no, Alzheimer's is dementia, like you said, and not all dementia is Alzheimer's, but uh, Alzheimer's, um, so you just described vascular dementia. Um, Alzheimer's dementia, dementia is significantly more common, right? And so, um, and that's, I mean, from a layman aspect, it seems like Alzheimer's is just the memory part of your brain. Is that right? Yeah. Um, so if, you know, if somebody on the podcast had like a family member that had had Alzheimer's, that might be a lot. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so <laughs> for those of you that don't know, my father, um, he was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's at the age of 60. So basically um, there's, if you're having dementia caused from Alzheimer's, it can have, if it happens before the age of 65, it's called early onset. That's the only difference. So my dad had that, um, and I said had because he passed away, unfortunately. Um, but it affects many different things. I think that what's noticed the most by other people are the memory problems because they're repeating themselves. They're not making sense. They're forgetting to do tasks at work when you, know, you ask them to do a task. So I think it's the easiest thing to pick up on. Like the language differences, the uh, the change in demeanor, the personality changes, those are all very subtle and, and harder to pick up on. Although, um, you know, Alzheimer's disease definitely does have a lot of those same, uh, same symptoms as other things. But Alzheimer's disease mainly affects the hippocampus. Um, and in fact, you can see like if you, you could even Google right now, um, Alzheimer's disease brain versus a healthy brain. And basically the whole brain is kind of shrunk. But one of the really important parts that gets shrunk is called the hippocampus. Um, and it, which means seahorse in Latin. So I guess that's kind of cool because it looks kind of like a seahorse. If you huh. can, if you did enough drugs while you're doing anatomy, apparently. <laughs> which uh, they did frequently back in the <laughs> Roman days. So, uh, so it mainly affects the hippocampus, the temporal lobes, and the parietal lobes. Okay, so um, the hippocampus is really important in, in helping convert your memories to long-term memory. <clears throat> um, and then, like, your temporal lobe... Um, is mainly thought to be uh, like part of your hearing and things like that goes into there, but it's also really important for your language comprehension. So if you've ever spoken to somebody with uh, Alzheimer's disease, sometimes they're like, you're like, you're not making any sense. Um, and then also like their frontal lobe can have some atrophy or shrinkage as well. So like, they're not as good at problem solving. They're not as good at telling you things. Um, and then a lot of it just gets dumped into this idea that, oh, it's just memory problems, but it's, it's a lot of things um, that are happening. Uh, since Alzheimer's is like the main type that people are probably more interested in, maybe we can talk a little bit about what causes it. Because you may, if you have someone sure. diagnosed with Alzheimer's, you may hear some of these terms thrown out, like amyloid plaques and neurofibrillary tangles, um, beta amyloid, peptides, like all these things are just, you know, foreign words basically to the layman. Um, but basically, there's these um, 
proteins called tau, okay? And that's just the name of the protein. And, um, and it seems to form like, it, it kind of, they kind of like get kind of hooked together um, along with the beta amyloid. Um, they're, not as, they're not big enough to be called proteins, they're called peptides, okay? So, uh, and, and they kind of get all tangled together and it leads to inflammation in the brain. Um, and, and, and basically that leads to the cell death. Um, so when you're reading through all these like different big words, uh, you know, like once you understand what they are, um, then it, it kind of makes a little bit more sense. So those are the proteins that are kind of getting bunched up and forming these big uh, like globs. And what it causes is neurofibrillary tangles. So the, the fibrins in the cell are basically like these little chains that can help to um, support the cell structure, but they can also help to transport things in the cell. Now, since your neurons are, can be very, well, they are very long because they have like the cell body and then they have an axon that can be very long. Like for example, the, the longest cell in your body goes from um, you know, your spinal cord all the way down to your big toe. You know, that's a very long cell very long cell. So these, um, these fibrins in the cell are very important for transporting things. And so when they're all tangled up, then your cells aren't functioning like they're supposed to. You're not able to get the things to where they're supposed to be. And it just causes a, a, a bunch of different problems. But that's the, the basic of Alzheimer's disease. We're not really sure um, what is actually causing all this intracellular buildup. There's a lot of ideas that, you know, the buildup is actually um, trying to help something else that's happening. It's like what comes first, the chicken or the egg type of thing, but we're not really sure. Uh, we don't um, really cut people's brains open until they die. Um, you know, thank goodness practice, for that. Yeah. Um, but the way that uh, Alzheimer's disease is definitively diagnosed, like you can get MRIs and brain imaging that's suggestive of Alzheimer's disease because of the patterns that you see on the imaging. But the only way to know for sure if there's those tangles, if there's the plaque buildups uh, is to do an autopsy and look at it under a microscope. So it's, mm -hmm. it's only, it can only be definitively diagnosed after somebody dies. Um, but there's a lot, there's so many things that can kind of point towards it that I think that, you know, people saying, hey, my uncle has Alzheimer's and you being like, well, are they dead? Like, that would not be okay. <laughs> like, they don't have to die in order right. to be diagnosed. There can be a lot of different signs pointing towards Alzheimer's and they can be um, diagnosed with it before they're dead. But the the true golden definition diagnosis is made with brain tissue, which is done after death. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Um, when did uh, this kind of not, was not on my list of questions, but when did people start getting diagnosed with Alzheimer's? Is this in the last century or so, or, do you know, you know, I am not really sure about the history of it. Um, okay. 
Just, you know, maybe uh, Wikipedia can help me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's something people could look up. I was just wondering if, like you said, if if this comes from autopsy and microscopes, you know, and just generally being aware, like, what did they call it pre, you know, uh, you know, the scientific medical uh, revolution, you know, what, what was, uh, you just were going crazy? Is that what it was before? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean... It was the, the way people were treated that had any type of neurological deficit or problem, um, you know, a few hundred years ago was very uh, barbaric. Uh, so <laughs> I would imagine that it was probably uh, very similar. Um, All right. Sure. So let's see. Yeah, I didn't. There's a little bit here about it, but. That's okay. Some early texts, like in the 1700s, were discussing, uh, you know, possibilities. But, um, but, but, yeah, like I think it was just like this person's crazy. Um, the word dementia may have come around, um, you know, before that. Just you know, somebody is just not cognitively intact, and so we just call it dementia. Um, but uh, but yeah, like all the different types of dementias, I, I think if we did this podcast in 10 years, that it would be a lot different because they're still learning a lot about the different dementias and trying to classify them in different ways and realizing that some of them have uh, some overlaps and some of them don't and, uh, you know, what what causes what. And uh, so I think it's going to be classified a lot differently and there's going to be a lot of different kinds of dementia or maybe even different kinds of Alzheimer's disease rather than, you know, hey, it came on before the age of 65, so we're going to call it early onset. Um, you know, right. I, think, I think there's going right. to be a lot more uh, differentiating the different types sure. of dementia in 10 years. Okay. Yeah, that's, that makes sense. Um, parenthetically, uh, Tim just joined us. He just remembered that we have a podcast. So. Um, the, this week I'm only doing anything parenthetically, like even eating and sleeping parenthetically. It's, uh, it's actually really hard to keep up, but like within parentheses. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, uh, take some training. Yeah. So anyway, okay. hi. Well, speaking of Tim, let's get back to dementia. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't know how spot on you are. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, speaking of Tim, once again, what are the first signs of of dementia? So you said, Johnny, there's a bunch of different types, um, and they affect brains in different. But are there like particular signs and symptoms? Because, like you said, like with aging, certain parts of aging are just you know, normal, um, and, and particular people and particular social, I don't know, interactions kind of bring certain, uh, elements of, you know, brain nuances out, but are there particular symptoms of dementia? Like what is a doctor looking for? If a patient comes in and says, Oh, I think I have dementia. Like what, what are you trying to uh, identify? Yeah. So, um, basically you're looking for, cognitive decline um, and you can look at that in several different areas of somebody's life so you can do it like memory right um, 
or you can also like think about like psychiatric symptoms as well, like <clears throat> agitation, restlessness, inappropriate behavior. Um, and, and then um, being like physically or verbally aggressive. Um, something that's pretty common is called sexual disinhibition, where, um, you know, it's typically, it, it happens in men and women, but if you went to like an old folks home where people, a lot of people have dementia, you know, some guy might say something super inappropriate and it would really embarrass the family because they're like, this is not what he's like. And that's very, uh, like a very normal thing to happen. Um, and then that you can have like the cognitive um, problems. So like with your memory, um, perception, orientation um, to like different areas. So like your visual cortex is being affected, language, uh, attention, problem solving skills. <clears throat> but I think the main thing is is usually just like somebody's like that person's just not right. It just it's so slowly onset most of the time that it's really difficult to pinpoint exactly what happened first and what happened next. Because um, usually like the, you know, it's not like <clears throat> all of a sudden they're taking their pants off and running around in public and like that's the first sign that happened. So like, Tim, usually can't, it's like Tim doesn't have an explanation for that. that. There's no like good explanation <laughs> for what Tim has then. Exactly. Well, well, my plan to beat dementia is to uh, dive into it headlong, and um, Which you know, if uh, explains so much of his behavior. Tim, there's um, no such thing right. as lewd dementia. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I'm gonna have to go check out the DSM. And, uh, <clears throat> no, no. Here's a here's a real question, though. Um, so the things you're describing, I, you know, it all makes sense, but also isn't naturally aging, don't we kind of lose some of our sharpness as we get older? So is there like a, a, a difference between just getting old and, well, I can't remember where I put my keys kind of thing and, you know, dementia and Alzheimer's and all those things, or is it just a matter of degree, like uh, dementia is when it becomes it's almost like if Tim had been on the podcast at the beginning, you know, maybe he would have oh, known these things. Boy, so we'll not revisit it for the audience. I, Tim can go back and listen uh, to the podcast. <laughs> it's sure a good thing that I won't remember all these stinging barbs five minutes from now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey, yeah, so Tim, um, I, we can quickly answer it because it's, but basically normal aging is, uh, is a process where you lose like brain volume, but dementia is happening at an accelerated rate. So it's not just normal aging. It's, it's more accelerated than what you would expect a normal aging okay. person to do. And it might be interesting to do a podcast on aging and the things that change, uh, you know, now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, okay. I could we're really put the car before the horse here by talking about dementia before aging. So that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> We've never hooked the cart up to the horse, Johnny. Oh, on this podcast, true. they're entirely independent of each other. We just drag the cart to a cliff and shove it over the edge. 
and then the we ask actually Matt, running can you tell us about physics of the cart <laughs> <laughs> exactly <Yeah>. parabolic <laughs> path of the cart as it's falling yeah. that's matt yeah <laughs> okay um okay you're a pediatrician johnny um yeah I'm so guessing... this is a little bit out of my wheelhouse so Anyone's a doctor listening to this, please forgive me for all the dumb <laughs> things I'm saying. <laughs> no, I'm going to say, but okay, so pediatricians, like no 17-year-old kid is going to walk in and be like, hey, Dr. Johnny, I think I have dementia, right? That's not a thing. Like, but Well, first of all, nobody walks in saying, I think I have dementia. <laughs> okay, it's always somebody else that says they but, have dementia. <laughs> <laughs> no mom. No mom yeah. is going to bring their kid in and be like, this kid's got dementia, <laughs> right? That's not a thing. Um, yeah, it's usually not a thing. Um, you know, like the. Well, you say usually. Having... Like, what is the earliest that we can see these things? I mean, you didn't mention you have early onset is considered before um, sixty-five. Mm -hmm. I think you said. Yeah, there's some um, types of dementia that are like, you know, like a known mutation uh, genetics-wise that can be like as early as your 40s <clears throat> is the kind of the earliest I've heard of. Um, but like if, if a kid comes in with symptoms and you're like, this is probably dementia, then you need to go back to medical school because kids don't get dementia. <laughs> um, it's probably right. something else that's causing them to have issues with their brain because um, your brain should be super sharp um, up through your 40s and right. 50s really. Because, I mean, ultimately, dementia is, I don't know if this is the right term, but it sounded like it's neural decay, and you yeah. wouldn't really expect decay to set in before, uh, I mean, unless something out of normal has accelerated it, um, but. Yeah. yeah, correct. So if if a kid is having signs of, like, any type of neural decay, like you said, <clears throat> no, that's a good way to put it or like a really bad decline it's almost always related to something else like are they doing drugs is there some type of autoimmune disease um like um high thyroid can do like really some really bizarre stuff cancers <coughs> excuse me cancers can secrete uh tumors can secrete different things that affect your brain all right <laughs> What so we've been talking all about like the symptoms of uh, dementia and things like that, but uh, what do, people that have dementia that suffer from Alzheimer's or any other type of dementia it affects life expectancy too. Is that correct? Yeah, it does. Um, how does that work then? So it's, I think one of the easiest ways <clears throat> to think about it is um, when people have like motor function problems or like moving their body problems. Um, something that's very difficult to do is to swallow correctly. Mm. Okay. So if you swallow incorrectly, you get food into your lungs. Food doesn't, your lungs don't like to be fed <clears throat> in that way. In so it causes really bad pneumonias and that's like one of the ways that people with dementia will die is like pneumonia. Hmm. Interesting. So th that's, that's the main way. So like, uh, we had a neighbor that had, I don't know if it was Alzheimer's, but some type of dementia. Um, 
and she um she had to be in you know special care uh, after just a couple of years it was you know it progressed quickly and then it kind of seemed like it plateaued for a while in under the the, the care that she was giving she was there for a couple of years and nothing seemed to change and then she moved she, they they her husband wanted to move so they lived in southern california they uh, they were married in idaho long long before so he wanted to move her back there so they finally did she died a week later coincidental or is that like uh, is that a medical thing i'm guessing it was probably like something else um okay so it's, it's usually like the dementia kind of accelerates the like the uh the normal causes of death with old age mm. uh, that's kind of how i think about it <clears throat> um but they just happen a lot earlier and a lot quicker than than you kind of expect them to happen but it, it sounds to me like that was tragic if she was kind of um, stable <laughs> for quite a while yeah and that's the thing is somebody can seem like they're really stable and continue to decline but like they're already like wetting themselves and need 24-hour care can't feed themselves um you know and and then it's like if you lose more function like what are you going to be able to are you going to be able to tell if that person is um declining uh, like I had an aunt that had um, Alzheimer's disease and she was in a care center for um, I think close to 15 years, you know, um, and for like 10 of those years, she couldn't even talk. So, you know, so everyone kind of does things at their own rate, but it's it's really hard to determine like exactly how or when is somebody is going to die from dementia. Okay. All right, so we've talked, uh, that's obviously the saddest part about dementia. I mean, there are lots of sad parts about dementia, but um, let's talk about some of the optimistic slash positive sides. Um, what uh, what can be, so I guess before we start talking about actual specific treatments or anything, can dementia be reversed? Can you um, turn it around? So there are things that can, cause it to progress slower but once you um once you get dementia i mean it's not it's not something that can be reversed so there are treatments um that have been around for quite a while there's like a type of medication that can take um but really the the main thing that you want to do is prevent dementia from happening because once you lose that brain matter like you can't get it back um okay like your, your brain does doesn't just like regrow like um uh, like a actually nothing in our body really does like your liver, liver? like if you right. get your liver hacked off like it'll just regrow that's crazy but your brain can't do that okay uh, what about um risk profiles so uh, obviously age is going to be one of your biggest risk profile but is it more common for men to get uh, dementia is it particular um at a particular part of the world I, what is what are dementia risk factors so <clears throat> there's a lot of things thought to be um 
that. So basically, you can do these different types of studies where you find people that have dementia and then look back to see if they have risk factors and compare like what things are causing them to have more risk of dementia. And some of them have been identified as like high blood pressure, um, smoking, obesity, inactivity, um, low uh, social contact actually has been shown to be there. Um, <clears throat> you know, like drinking alcohol, like we already talked about that. Um, lack of sleep is one, which is interesting because like we all know that as doctors, but we still just, you know, try to kill ourselves through residency. I was going to say, um, that's not doctors killing themselves. That's medical or hospital um, administrators, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true, I guess. Um, but we all said that we're going to, <laughs> which is crazy. So, I mean, I assume this is kind of where the prevention that you're talking about comes in, is knowing these risk factors and avoiding or minimizing them as much as possible. Yeah, exactly. Especially if you have you know, some predisposition, like there's a lot of people in your family that have Alzheimer's or some type of dementia, then there's things that you can do to try to um, negate some of that risk. Like if you have high blood pressure, then you can <clears throat> do things like exercise and change your diet to try to help your blood pressure or take uh, medications to help control your blood pressure. If you're very inactive, and you know that this is, um, you know, something that runs in your family, you know, starting out small and building up goals so that you are more active is, can be very helpful. If you have diabetes or if you have a risk of getting like type two diabetes, um, you know, trying to control, you know, what you're eating and keeping track of, you know, that, you know, trying to prevent the diabetes can be something that, it's very difficult to do because sometimes it's very genetic and it's just going to happen. But controlling your diabetes better is going to be uh, is going to improve that. And then um, having a purpose in life is something that's really important uh, in the prevention of Alzheimer's um, and like having good social contacts and good uh, like a good social um, network which is really um, interesting that that kind of protects you against, um, you know, developing Alzheimer's. That is really interesting because like we talked about earlier, I mean, it's a, physio a physiological change, right? And this is, but, but, but social changes will then change, like affect the physiology of your brain, I guess, is the idea. Yeah. Like puts it at risk somehow. Um, you know, maybe like there's probably a lot of uh, theories of why that sure. happens, but like no real definite answer. But one theory of the brain is if you don't use it, you lose it. So maybe if you're not using those pathways, they kind of go away. Um, and then that just kind of leads to a toppling effect where other things start to go as well. Right. I'm not really sure. I'm totally making that up 100%. <laughs> Uh, okay, perfect. All right. So one or two more questions here before we sign off on the podcast. Um, you mentioned medications that, uh, that you said one that's been around for quite a while, but there are also new treatments, right, for different types of um, dementia. 
you know, what kind of medications are there and how promising is the medicine, you know, in the next five, 10 years, that we'll be able to better uh, treat, you know, different types of dementia. Yeah, um, so one of the main ones that's been around that a lot of people have um, used in the past is called donepazil, and it's a it's a acetylcholinesterase inhibitor, which is a really big word. That's um, a very big word. That's not a layman word. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, it um, allows your neurons to basically communicate through chemical signals for longer than they normally would. And the evidence is really poor for how well it actually helps. Um, so um, a lot of these things, like I didn't get too into the treatment of dementia as much, um, but there's also like other types of receptor blockers that can maybe help um, uh, extract from um, ginkgo biloba tree has um, shown to be that, that it might be effective. Um, uh, let's see, like SSRIs, which, you know, like antidepressants appear not to really help, um, but they can reduce like the symptoms of agitation. Um, there's no evidence that vitamin B12 or folate really help, um, although there's like a lot of and the, the really difficult thing for this is whenever you have a problem that's very widespread, there's going to be people that take advantage to try to uh, make money off of that. And, and I think that you get a lot of these people that are really wanting to help their loved ones. Um, and there's just not really a lot of treatment that is effective for dementia. And so they're spending all this money for these treatments that aren't covered by um, by insurance. And, you know, like there's two thoughts, like maybe they're not covered by insurance because they're just brand new and insurance isn't covering it yet because it hasn't been shown to be effective or maybe somebody's just trying to make money. Um, and and I, I think that both of them are very common. So it's it's really hard to know exactly what to do. And as somebody that had a loved one that had dementia, there was something that helped more than anything else. And it was a book um, to help change my mindset on dementia. And it's called Creating Moments of Joy. <clears throat> and I, I don't get paid by these people or anything, but it, it was a really good book about realizing that there's, instead of thinking about all the things that you're losing, while your family member declines, think about the things that they still have and use those things that they still have to create these moments of joy because their um, emotions tend to last even if they can't remember what's happening. I remember my dad would get frustrated and then and it was like trying to turn a freight train if you like wanted to get him unfrustrated and he didn't know why, you know, he couldn't remember why, but man, it was really hard. But if you could get him in a good mood, it was just like, we were all just having such a good time together. And that book uh, really helped change my life. Um, and then something else that somebody told me, I, I went into this hospital room when I was in medical school and this guy was being um, diagnosed with really severe lung cancer. And his mannerisms reminded me exactly of my dad. 
this was before my dad passed and he was already diagnosed with, with uh, Alzheimer's disease because he has the genetic, um, he has the, um, the genetic disposition for it and was having the symptoms. So he was already diagnosed uh, and this guy had such similar mannerisms to my dad and was being given a really bad prognosis that it just like really kind of shook me and I had to go out in the hall and you know I was tearful and my um, the the attending doctor or the boss doctor that was in charge you know came over and asked me if everything was okay and I said yeah it just kind of hit me hard and he told me that his <clears throat> his mom had dementia um, and would do some really like ridiculous things and embarrass them and she ended up passing away and he's like not a day goes by that I wish I had only one percent of my mom um, or two percent of my mom and that I wouldn't have thought about that 98 percent that I had lost but I thought about those things that I still had and enjoyed um, the the time that we had together a little bit more um, and and I think that that along with that book really helped me have a better perspective of when I was around my dad, we were going to have fun. We were going to be happy. We were going to tell jokes and be silly. And that's really was the defining factor of our entire relationship was being funny and joking with each other. And I just made sure that that he could he could count on me for still putting that into his life instead of just being so worried about what I might say or if I might offend or like, how do I treat somebody that I know is going to continue to decline? Like, what do I say to somebody that's not even gonna remember it? You know, I would just go and try to make these moments and these memories that make me happy. Um, and they're some of the best memories I have of my dad. Um, and he had such a amazing way of looking at things that it really, um, you know, it really like opened my eyes. Like his dementia brain actually kind of made him think in different ways that were new and eye-opening for me. Um, like he would, it was like he was seeing things for the first time, like things out in nature. He loved nature, looking at a sunset for the very first time or seeing a blue sky for the very first time. It was really um, interesting and made me really uh, try to um, be a better person and, and you know, um, create those moments of joy and, um, and uh, you know, be there for him when he needed it. Um, and, and I think that that's the, the main thing that you can do. So if you're struggling with someone that has dementia, like I, I get where you're coming from. It's very difficult. It's hard to be happy and cheerful through those situations, not embarrassed when they're you know, taking off their clothes in Walmart or like whatever the situation is. Like we can uh, come up with a hundred different uh, situations, but the reality is, is that it's very embarrassing and hard for the family. Very, very hard, especially because the patients, they don't know. They don't know that they have dementia. Um, so it becomes extremely difficult on the family, a huge burden. And so I, I would definitely recommend that book for anyone that's struggling with that called Creating Moments of Joy. Mm. I don't remember what the author's name is. I can probably find it pretty quick here, but <clears throat> it's like Jolene something or something like that. Okay. Well, that's great. I think that's a good reminder. Like I said, I think some people probably found the podcast just interested in dementia, but almost everyone 
<laughs> at some point in their life is going to know someone with dementia, um, parents, grandparents, uh, cousins, you know, somebody, friends, dementia is pretty common. And so you're going to run into somebody that you know and love that's going to have dementia. And it's good to have that perspective and recognize that, you know, you can, there's still some degree of themselves. And so you enjoy what you have. And, uh, that was, you know, I, I my grandpa uh, had uh, developed dementia late in life. So, I mean, you would say cognitive decline, but he, uh, you know, at the end of his life, you, you know, just very clearly dementia just didn't have, uh, wasn't able to form short, short, short term memories and things like that. And so uh, it was a different interaction, but it, some very meaningful interactions. So, um, yeah, good, good reminder, Johnny. Yeah, um, I found the author's name. It's um, okay. Jolene Brackley. <clears throat> So okay. It's a, Moments it's of joy. A great book. Awesome. All right. One last question, Johnny, before we sign off. And um, we've talked all about humans. There's a lot of pets out there. <laughs> this is probably not something they cover in medical school, but maybe you're also a biology major, so maybe you know this anyway. Do animals get affected by dementia as well? I mean, they have brains, so. So, I mean, this is not something I've learned about. <laughs> really been interested in but if you think about it like the for example just like taking the the mammals um you know in general our bodies cells um all those different types of things function very similarly so it would surprise me a lot if if animals did not get dementia but it might be harder to figure out. <laughs> right, like, right. They don't have the same processes that we did. They don't talk, for example. And so. Uh, yeah, but people would know. Do you call do you, like dogs? Do they have personalities or do they have dogalities? Like, I don't know what the correct language is to say here. I'm probably going to offend a million vets worldwide, but. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, we, we this is a truly layman thing. Uh, but I was just interested to know if this was biologically the case that, uh, I'm mean, like you said, that mammalian cells are similar. And so you'd imagine that the diseases that afflict our brains probably have some things in common. I know, I know that they test a lot of these new drugs on mice. You can't then ask mice whether or not they remember, you know, well, yesterday. Keep in mind also but, that with animals, we're dealing with different lifespans. You don't. Yeah. Your cells are, you may not have the time for an animal to go through the same types of neural decay in an animal's generally shorter lifespan is a thought. Hmm. I could be wrong on that. I don't know. Layman. No. So something that's interesting to think about, um, I'm reading through an article in the Discover magazine, and it's, it's asking, you know, can animals get dementia? And it basically says once an animal has cognitive decline, they wouldn't be able to survive. So there's too much pressure for a wild animal to right. get dementia. But um, if they're like dogs and cats that like live a long time, but you're like really babying and taking care of, that's not really the pressures of of like a wild ant that a wild animal has. So yeah. I, I think there are some signs that like pets 
can get um, cognitive decline. Like there's actually something called canine yeah. cognitive dysfunction or doggy dementia. So huh. very huh. interesting. I've never even thought about this before. <laughs> this is why we have this podcast to real time <laughs> learn about things that we didn't know about a minute ago. <laughs> Hey, before we do that, though, Johnny taught us some things that he, that he actually knows quite a bit about. And then we learn about doggy dementia because we know <laughs> that. Um, yeah, well, I'm uh, I'm sure, you know, there are people out there that love their, uh, obviously, there are people out there that love their pets. And, One or two, uh, maybe. Uh, just a few. <laughs> Lots of people that love their pets. But yes, probably not as big of concern. Essentially, what I'm telling pet owners is probably just don't have the same, uh, have to worry the same degree about dementia in your animals as you do about just yourself, you know, controlling your own risk factors. So probably can worry more about that than whether or not your pet's going to get dementia because your pet will probably be okay. And you need to be aware of your own risk factors and, uh, you know, try it in as much as you're in control of any of this, uh, try to do the best to, uh, you know, to minimize your risk of dementia. Right, Johnny? Yeah, hundred um, percent. Uh, and like Matt was saying, um, you know, there's, there are animals that have longer lifespans than us, but typically most of the uh, typical pets that we think of have much shorter lifespans. So right. even with dementia and you, in an animal or cognitive decline in an animal, you can still take the same types of things um, and enjoy those things that you enjoy with that with that animal um, for as long as you can until you feel like it's not humane or whatever whatever you decide. Um, but yeah, the keeping yourself healthy is going to be. It's really important not just for you so that you have that cognitive ability when you get older, but uh, just think about the burden that it puts on the rest of your family um, by you know having dementia. I know you can't like. 100% prevent it, but there's things that you can do to to make yourself more healthy and set some goals and try to do better. And, and you know, like that's the best we can do is just just try. Um, and if you did everything that you can then and still get it, well, at least you tried. Um, and yep. and I, I think that those things that help prevent dementia are things that actually, I would argue, are things that we would tell people that are depressed or sad or anxious that they should do as well to have a better, more enjoyable life. So um, either way, I think that there are very good tips to just having a good life in general. Okay. Well, I appreciate the knowledge, Johnny, and the insight into uh, dementia and how to deal with it and how to prevent it if, or how to minimize risk at least. And uh, yeah, any, any final words? I don't think so. Um, Tim, we're on a call. Did you forget? <laughs> yeah. uh, I forget what? <laughs> no, I am actually just coming back from a, <clears throat> a different kind of challenge uh, with, with young children. So, we'll do a podcast on that next. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, everyone. I'm going to play us our, our uh, out music.
and uh, Johnny will learn what our music sounds like when we exit the podcast because he clearly hasn't heard any. He's probably never heard this. <laughs> Here it is, Johnny. It's true. <laughs> it's great rocks. Rocks. 